Our scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Listen for the word of God. My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search it, search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Our gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Listen for the word of God. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So I promised a confessional, so I'm going to give you one. I hate waiting. Does this come as a shock to those of you who know me? Does anybody else here hate waiting as much as I hate waiting? Yeah, I'm one of those people, I try to pick the shortest line in the grocery store, don't ever follow me. Because I always pick the wrong one and then I spend my whole time rolling my eyes with a bad attitude. Is this true, Michael? Yeah, he's back there, thumbs up, he knows. When I go to the crosswalk, I'm going for my nice, quiet, contemplative walk on the beach, what do I do? Turn to walk, turn to walk, turn to walk. What is that all about? I hate waiting, that's what it's all about. So this parable of the kingdom of heaven and bridesmaids who are supposed to be waiting for a late bridegroom has never sat very well with me. I mean, where is the bridegroom anyway? Why is he so darn late? I read a commentary that said he was probably doing last minute negotiations with the bride's father. I'm like, come on, that couldn't have been done the day before? You know, if you can't figure out the dowry, get it figured out. The bride is waiting, the bridesmaids are waiting. And was he really someone worth waiting for if he's this late? I mean, these women are supposed to be supporting the bride, right? Maybe they should be telling her to go the other way. And then what about these bridesmaids who don't share their oil? How does this fit into the stewardship season? This does not sound like a very generous Christian message in my book, certainly not a stewardship message. I would say, do you share your oil? Why do they get lifted up as the wise ones when they didn't share? And then you gotta ask this question. I had to look this one up. I thought, okay, is this a harem? Is he marrying 10 women? Oh no, these are really bridesmaids, just like we have bridesmaids today. So why should they wait around? We all know being a bridesmaid is not that much fun, right? Being a bride is way more fun. Their happily ever after is not coming this evening. It's their girlfriend who's having the happily ever after, or their sister, or their second cousin once removed, or whatever. They're simply wedding attendants with a role to play, to light the way in this evening processional to the wedding banquet, 
but always began at sundown. Well, in this case, at nightfall, because the groom was late. This isn't an exciting role to play, but it was their role to play, for they had signed on to be wedding attendants. And the most important job in those days of the bridesmaid was to light the way down that dark road to the banquet. And so it is with those of us who choose to follow the Jesus path, or who call ourselves Christians, or even who count ourselves as church members. Choosing this path doesn't mean we get the glory. We don't get to be God, or even Christ. I know, because I can't ever get to the front of the grocery store line. But choosing this path means we get to be attendants along the path, helping others to find that way to Christ's banquet of love. To keep that path lit even when others don't seem to be coming along. Or to, I hate to admit it, patiently await the time when God's realm finally does come to this earth and God's love really does flow through every corner. Now, that sounds really good, but I still, every time I read this, want to sympathize with the five foolish maidens, because I don't like waiting. My guess is that most of us do not like waiting. Most of us don't really live as though the bridegroom's arrival, the coming of God's realm of love and justice, is really going to come. And yet, in this parable, Jesus calls us to wait with constant vigilance, as if we were pirates on a stormy sea. To live in vigilance means for God's followers to do the tasks that God calls us to do constantly. In Matthew's Gospel, that means we, we become the ones who do more than just pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say it every single week. But Matthew will never settle for that. No, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus expects us to live God's kingdom already here. Christ's will being done on this earth right now, today, as if heaven had come. Jesus reminds us that living this prayer means we are to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick and the imprisoned, now, the writer of Proverbs takes a little different twist on it because the writer of Proverbs is more of a thinker than a doer. Jesus was definitely a doer and a thinker. But the Proverbs lesson is important because it provides an equally important perspective on this task of waiting for God's realm to come, of waiting for this treasured promise of God in our lives. Because in Proverbs, that treasured promise is God's wisdom. And our task is to await wisdom, to grow in our knowledge of God by constantly following God's teachings in our words, in our thoughts, and in our actions, with just as much passion as pirates would have who are searching for hidden treasure. It's hard for me to get that much passion about studying scripture, about going to church. Searching for booty sounds like a lot more fun. But these are the roles that God calls upon us to play, to listen, to learn God's teachings, and then to live those teachings so that others are bathed in the light 
and the love of God because of the work of our hands and feet and thoughts and actions. Indeed, our task is to look for buried treasure. It's just not the same kind of treasure that pirates seek out. This is the treasure of God's constant presence in our lives and in the world. To always be looking for it. To always be bringing it to light. To show the brightest and the best when we live out God's teachings. Now, this treasure isn't money or jewels, and it probably won't bring money or jewels. But it is God's wisdom. It is the treasure of God's presence in and amongst us. And that's valuable treasure. For when we find that treasure, we find God. We find the divine spark within. I see the divine in you and in you when I find the treasure of God constantly with us. But guess what? This treasure is not always easy to find, especially when I'm in the grocery line and the person in front of me has 30 items in the 15-item line. It's hard for me to see God living within them. It is hard for me to see God living within myself as I start this string of very pirate-like words through my head. And guess what? The only way I'm going to find that treasure is by taking a step back and patiently waiting. For that's when God will come to me brightly shining to transform me, to help me see the treasure that is all around. Now this is when BJ would say, and that's good news, and he would sit down. But that's because he likes waiting. Me, not so much. I just have to say, another lesson on waiting? Give me a break, God. I'm just tired of this. I'm okay with seeking God's treasure. I'm really good at working for it. How many of you are like that? You're really good at working for it? Yeah, I know this church is full of good workers. We're good at it, man. We're, we're, on, the, we're on the lines. We're ready. But waiting? Not so much. When I see contemplatives like the Tibetan monks or like calm-centered mystics who can chant or pray, or just reflect on a word or a line of scripture for hours on end, I am in awe. When I read the words of Richard Rohr or Hildegard de Bingen, I just think, oh, what wisdom. But the fact is, I seldom give the kind of time and commitment to waiting and listening that the great mystics give in their spiritual journeys. And I'm the poorer for it. For waiting is a part of the journey. And in the waiting, treasure is discovered. The treasure of hearing God's call. The treasure of recognizing the divine image within ourselves. The treasure of understanding God's teachings. And the treasure of experiencing God's abounding amazing love. Waiting for treasure is worth the while. And then after the waiting, the journey can continue. For waiting for treasure, just like waiting for the bridegroom, eventually leads to a journey. 
but a journey that we're finally prepared for. A journey where we are called, like those bridesmaids, to light the way on the path toward God's promise. Finding the wisdom of God leads us to lighting the way to God's wisdom for others. Seeing the bridegroom of God's presence amongst us leads us to help others see the divine presence within themselves and within the world. Showing others the path to the banquet where God's love is always available. And this is where the five foolish bridesmaids fell short because they hadn't waited with patience and preparation. They were tired. They ran out of oil. Guess what? Those of us who don't wait, we get tired. We run out of oil no matter how great a doers we are. I know that's where I fall short. I can usually do the work, but then I run out of oil because I haven't done the right waiting. Waiting for wisdom listening, just listening for God's call, filling my spiritual lamp with the oil of God's grace and love, treasure that can be discovered when we remember to wait with God, to listen and be filled spiritually simply by sitting and opening ourselves to God's love. That's why this parable doesn't sit so well with me, because it makes me uncomfortable. Because I don't sit so well with waiting. And thus, my lamp does sometimes run dry. Fortunately, this isn't Jesus' only parable of the kingdom, for Jesus knew that we all struggle with different steps on the journey. And I won't take a poll, BJ probably would, but I'll give you a break here. For some of you, the waiting might be the really easy part, and maybe the doing is the more challenging part. Some people, I've known these people, to wait around forever and never really get around to doing anything. Okay, those would be the bridesmaids who we don't even hear about because they never ever lit the way to the bride's banquet. And so Jesus reminds us, even in this parable, that the waiting does lead to a journey. Others, you know, those people who wait to give of themselves, their time, their talents, their treasures, because they just never have quite enough. Well, maybe when I retire, I'll finally have enough time to, to give to a ministry or to volunteer in the community. Or maybe when I'm a little richer, I'll finally be able to donate to that cause I say I believe in so much. Oh, maybe, you know, whenever my kids are grown. Oh, maybe when my health is better. Waiting and waiting and waiting for that perfect time. And so God reminds us, keep awake. Be alert. You don't know when the perfect time is because the only perfect time we are given is now. This journey leads us to sharing our lives and our treasures with others here and now, for this is the perfect time. Our treasure of wisdom is a gift, not to just hold on to and think, oh, that's really cool, but to be shared. Would we have known the wonder of Buddhist contemplation if they hadn't come and shared themselves with us? Would our children know God's wisdom if Mary did not share of herself week after week after week? And how much more wisdom would they know if grandmas and grandpas and aunties and uncles went with her to share your wisdom 
week after week. Karina Parker is lovely with our babies, but you know, there's nothing quite like a round belly or a wrinkled hand to love a little baby like only a grandpa or an auntie can do. Our treasure of wisdom is a gift to be shared and passed on generation to generation. The entire book of Proverbs is simply about finding wisdom and passing it on. Our treasure of time is an equally precious gift to be given. Many people say it's the most precious gift in life today. And you know that gift when someone has sat by your side as you listened to the doctor give you test results that you were afraid to hear alone. Or when you've given a week of your vacation to a mission or a ministry or to caring for your grandchildren or the next door neighbor's kids. These are true stewardship gifts of time. Saying yes to that ministry or activity that so desperately needs your hands and your feet is a gift more precious than silver, more costly than gold. And of course, our earthly treasure, our earthly possessions, these are gifts to be given. The wise bridesmaids never experienced this, and I will always wonder if their time at the banquet was a little less festive because they were missing five sister bridesmaids to celebrate with. I was watching this very brash YouTube video that I do not have the guts to show in church. My son Michael pointed it out to me. I don't know if he found it or BJ found it, but I can tell you it was the boys in my household who introduced me to this very um, uncouth Jesus actor who's screaming at American Christians how sick he is of our selfish ways. His theology was dead right. <laughs> and I cringed when the speaker remind us, reminded us that 20 houses sit empty every night in America for every single homeless person that's living on the streets in America. And suddenly I look around at my huge, beautiful home, which usually feels like a haven, and suddenly felt like a prison, like a gift I needed to share more fully. On the other hand, I feel a deep sense of calm and joy when, oh, Colin, I'm going to talk about you, and you're right here, when Colin comes running up the aisle on a Sunday morning. Or when Nicholas and Alex yell out, Pastor BJ, Mary, hey, what's up? When we walk into the high school. Or when I run into somebody downtown and they say, oh, that church, oh, I love your church. That's the church that saved my life when whatever happened. For this church changes people's lives. And this church is where our family gives of our time and our talent and our treasures. Our earthly treasure is invested in this church. And the treasure we receive is immeasurable when these children shout forth with their joy for God. When we see lives touched that you have touched because of your ministry through this church. Our heart is here because our time and our talents are here, and our heart follows where our treasure goes. But most of all, our heart is here because our heart is with God. And God called us to this place to be with you, 
And God has commanded our time and our talent and our treasures for as long as I can remember. And quite frankly, I'm glad that God is my pirate captain, because pirate or not, I need grace and love, God's greatest treasures, every single day, but especially in the grocery store line. And I want others to be able to share that treasure, to know that treasure, and it's an honor to be able to share that treasure with you. Now if I could just get better about the waiting. Some say love, it is a river that drowns the tenderweed. Some say love, it is a razor that leaves your soul to bleed. Some say Thank you. Thank